Hey everybody, how y'all doing? Thank you for joining me again. Season two has come to an end and it has been a true joy. I met some of my goals and I missed others. I never missed a week of posting, but I definitely messed up my schedule. So as I take a few weeks off, I will still be recording. So next season I can post on time. Thank you all for tagging along. I truly appreciate it. Don't worry, I'll be back with season three on August 2nd. So come back and until then, enjoy the best moments of season two. Thank you. Before we get to the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Bonnet Gate. If you aren't familiar with the story, let me give you a little bit of background. A few days ago, comedian Monique posted a video on her Instagram admonishing black women who wear bonnets in public. I won't rehash the details or go into all the people who thought Monique was right and all those who decried respectability politics. I don't have a side except to provide a little bit of clarity or context. In her video, Monique stated she observed these alleged bonnet wearers in just about every airport she's ever visited. And that made me think, maybe they have their bonnets on because they are going to sleep when they get on the plane. Now, I'm not saying that's right. And I'm not saying that's wrong. And I'm not saying that's classy. I'm not saying that's ratchet, nor am I saying it's bougie or ghetto. What I am saying is I understand. The average black woman with a relaxer spends about $80 to $100 at least every two weeks. And even more for natural hairstyles when you visit the hair salon. And if you are like me and are attempting to maintain your tresses at home, what you don't spend in money, you definitely spend in time. The hours it takes to get your hair to a level of acceptable presentation is like a part-time job. And most women with melanin do not have the type of hair that just bounces back into place once it's disturbed. For example, sleeping on it. Once it's messed up, you have to spend another $100 or four more hours to get your hair back to the place that it was. The remedy for not wasting time or money is to wear a head covering, such as a bonnet or a scarf. We choose these coverings so we can get some sleep or we wake up with matted hair. It's that or sleep pretty. Y'all know what I'm talking about sleeping with our hands underneath our faces or our chins just so our heads won't hit the pillow. The result is beautiful hair the next day. But to be honest, we're exhausted. Never mind sleep deprivation. Let's just talk about the conflicting expectations of never having a single hair out of place, including our edges, while also never showing the world what it takes to keep said edges laid. It's exhausting. Black women are out here saving the world one election at a time, but we are never given room to just be. 
if Kim Kardashian wore a bonnet, no one would give a shit. It would be the new fashion trend. In 2020, I asked all my guests this question. What did 2020 teach you? Well, it taught me to mind my own business. So that's what we should all do. Mind our own business. Now, if someone asks me, then I will give them my personal opinion, which would be to tell them, no, don't do it, because that's how I was raised. But if they disagree with me, then that's their business, and I'm okay with that. Monique is out here giving a whole sermon about maintaining the appearance of being a queen. Well, monarchs have full-time stylists, makeup artists, and hairdressers to keep them camera ready at all times. And so does Monique. Regular folks doing it all themselves, cooking, cleaning, and caring for others and their families, we don't have that luxury. So if they reclaim a little bit of time by keeping a bonnet on when they are headed to the airport to fall asleep on a plane, let them. They are fully clothed and and they aren't bothering anyone. So leave people alone and mind the business that pays you. Black women are tired of being held to a standard that no one else can achieve. And if they must continue saving the world, God damn it, let them do it in a bonnet or a scarf or a satin cap or hell, they can save the world with their edges laid. Whatever they decide, in the words of Queen Tabitha Brown and her hair, Donna, that's their business. Signed, your favorite homegirl. You know, you always want to make sure that you have that solid foundation of, like Diane said, liking each other so that in those rocky moments, we can come back to a common ground. Uh, I've had guys, you know, reach out to me, man, you know, I don't think this thing going to work. And my, my response is always this. Remember why you bought the ring. Because if you can go back to the reason you bought that ring and you can remember why you bought that ring, you can remember why you loved it. And if you bought it without loving it, then that fool, that's your fault. <laughs> you, know, you did that. Uh, but if you can go back to why you bought that ring, and for, for women, if you can go back to why you said yes and why you followed through and said I do, you can go back and find that core, that, that, that foundation of why it all got started. And if we can get back to that, we can build or we can make the connection between where we are where we started and figure out where we went wrong and then hopefully we can write the ship uh so you know that's that's kind of what i typically tell people and that's why i said you know you you have to have a foundation of communication and liking each other before you even talk about commitment to one another and so because those those physical characteristics, those things that maybe attracted you to that person, you know, that doesn't stand the test of time. You know, like, you know, Pastor tells us all the time, he said, look, you know, this right here, I mean, you, you look, <laughs> that stuff, it, it changes. Yeah, it changes, you know, it changes with age. Your, your bones, they start, you know, cracks, 
a crackling and and cracking and popping you know every time you get up now out of the bed before you, you got a plan bed, to get up you, you got a plan get to get up so and, exactly so you, you encourage yourself in the lord, lord every time <laughs> yeah. so i mean that that's that's real and that's real in a relationship mm -hmm. you gotta have something to fall back on when those things that 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 are that are no more or not as often uh are not happening because life will happen so do you have any more tips that you want to add for parents about if for they, just like as far as what just as far as helping a kid, helping a child, anything else you want to say to parents who might be I, raising a child with autism? I, I would just say make sure they be consistent with the kiddo and try to be because I know I get off task myself. So, but be <laughs> consistent because they need that. Stick to a schedule, you know, make sure they have a routine in place. And even if you got to post it and stick it everywhere, do that. Um, and that's a and you might have to, you know, have a schedule like for regular meal times, you know, school times as a schedule, even in the mornings and at bedtime. So just make sure they have some kind of routine. Um, I know with my daughter, she likes to be rewarded for her uh, good behavior. Mm -hmm. So rewarding them is a real good thing. And then make sure home is their safety zone. Mm -hmm. I would say that. Mm hmm Make sure every, I mean, because that's where they are the most of the time. So make sure home is safe for them and, you know, and then let me see. Look for verbal, nonverbal cues, because, you know, that's something that they did deal, uh, tend to struggle with because they don't really catch things that we might catch, like mm -hmm. sarcasm. They don't understand that, things mm -hmm. like that, hardly at all. Uh, make things fun for them. Uh, and then don't punish them too bad, you know, too badly, I will say. I had an ischemic stroke and my right side was affected. So my sister is a physical therapist. And so <laughs> she said, okay, let's get up and walk. And I'm like, I just looked at her because I wasn't able to verbalize at the time. What? <laughs> but she said, let's get up and walk. And I was like, walk? So I was walking with her, leaning to one side, to my right side. And uh, I just looked at her like, ain't this some shit? And uh, you know, walking up and down the hospital corridors. Uh, and then, you know, trying, she was making me do exercises. And I was like, Lindsay, I can't, but she, she made me do it anyway. Um, after that week, I went to my first set of therapy for a week. And then I went to my next therapy for almost three months. I was out of work for six months. Um, didn't get paid for two of those months. So Lindsay had to step in again and <laughs> pay for everything. So, like, so didn't you have to stay in rehab too for a little while? Huh? Weren't you? Didn't you stay in a rehab facility for a little while? Oh, yeah. I stayed in the first the first rehab. I stayed in for a week, and then mm -hmm. they sent me home. Okay. And then I went to rehab Monday through Friday. Um, after that, a second rehab, mm -hmm. which was really good. Um, I had physical and occupational, um, speech therapy, um, everything.
You had weird. some weird side effects, some consequences that you've told me about, like your memory and dreams. Talk about that. I don't, don't dream. I started, okay, let me tell you this. I started dreaming recently. I can remember dreams a little bit. I, had yeah. a my, I know, right? I had a dream about my dad. He's deceased um, seven years. I had a dream about him at my mom's house. And that one I remember. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, bits and pieces, but I don't dream anymore. I don't experience hunger anymore. What? Like a normal <laughs> person, like my stomach, my stomach doesn't growl like it used to. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, I don't ex- like, I know I'm hungry and I eat, but I know I'm supposed to eat. Okay. Like I have to eat, but I could go all day without eating. And some days I do. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I didn't eat. And then I remember, oh, I need to eat. I don't know if the stroke took away the desire for certain things. Um, and then my short-term memory is gone. It's trash. Oh my God. <laughs> but when looking for a tax professional, the first thing you have to do is try to figure out what their background is and their knowledge of it. Because there are a lot of people, and I've had people that have just read a 1040 book and have tried to tell me tax law, and I've been in this field for 26 years, and I get such a big kick out of it because there are people that just prepare a tax return. Mm -hmm. And to me, preparing a tax return is that that's the easy part of it, knowing how to read the person, ask the right questions and make it flow. That, that's the, the skilled part. And I think once you're looking for one, you just probably need to ask questions and see exactly what they do know and how they've been, you know, how they've been trained. Okay, that's good info. But uh, is it time to open up to other cultures? You have like, uh, uh, how do you say her name? Sabori Gidabay. She's, I think Tony, I Tony already name. shaking her head. No. She, hold on, let me finish said. the question. <laughs> you have I'm uh, you. Uh, Tika Sumter. Her baby daddy is white. You got Sabori. She's engaged to a white man. You have uh, Malik Teal. I believe her husband might be another culture because her kids are, they look, you know, biracial. And so you have all these type A boss women who are like, why are we waiting on black men when black men not checking for us? So is it time to open up to other races, other cultures? All right. Tony, you go first. (laughs) Why I gotta go first? Because you already shake your head. No, no. Keep in mind my editing skills are minimal. Don't no. I'm I'm not. I'm just. I just look at it. You know, it's been one of those things that I've considered, but I feel like like when the Lord speaks, you better listen. Try to consider it. That's when Underground came off. And then they not launched a new version of Roots came out. And I thought that was the Lord telling me, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> then you got oh boy uh, from the Steelers who beat up his girlfriend because she won't yes. that ass. I, I don't have Seahawks. I'm sorry. It's the Seahawks. Then, you know, you have those instances where, okay, you and him might be cool, but if I roll up to Thanksgiving dinner, and Aunt Becky Sue act the fool with me, I will flip Thanksgiving table over. So no, I just need to stay in my lane. I'm good. 
Okay. Um, yeah. I, I'm with Tony. I'm with Tony. I'm just like, certain things I just don't want to be explaining. My hair, church, you know, I, I just don't want to be explaining. So, no, going outside of a, a Black man or dating outside of someone Black, it's just, it just doesn't interest me. And I've never been attracted to him. You know, I think, you know, I look at Eve because she, you know, yeah. her husband, he's nice looking, right? But he come, he got money, but I'm like, mm, no, don't do it for me. Don't do it for me. Mm-mm. All right, Kim, you going to say something. Well, Belisha, what if y'all already has an understanding of those cultural differences? He understands Mm-mm. the hair. There's going to be a George Floyd situation and I'm going to have to go off on him. Because he's not going to understand why Black Lives Matter. Yes, I'm with you, Belitra. Okay, Alicia. Uh, I uh, have not been attracted to other races of people to the extent that I would want to be with them in the bedroom. Um, (laughs) I've gone out on dates, two or three dates with a white guy, this guy was from, uh, I can't think of where he was from, but he wasn't black and somebody else who was white. And then I was like, eh. it just, I just wasn't interested. So team black man. <laughs> <laughs> Ava, <laughs> Ava then Felicia. Team black man all day. <laughs> Before before I will date outside of my race, I will act like I'm Mexican so that I could get a black man. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the truth? It's the unfortunate truth in that. For real. Uh, For real. Pass for Mexican, basically. Some unfortunate truth in that state. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm team black man, but. I wouldn't say I, I just can't imagine marrying, but I can go out on a date probably. But I just, <laughs> I mean, that's a no. That's a no. You're going to get I the mean, man for his free meal. To, I'm feeling some kind of way that day. The, the law would have to work with me on, you know, the whole marriage and coming together as one and your families and all of that. But mm-hmm. as far as going and hang out and I mean, and I'm not just saying black or white. I'm talking about other ethnicities and things like that. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I don't, my, I guess I don't go straight to a white man. I'm thinking about, exactly. you know, maybe a Hispanic, maybe someone mm-hmm. else, you know, like that. Not necessarily just a white man now. Um, that's why. What I okay. Kiff. And then I got a different um, question. I'm going to flip that question on his head. Go ahead. I, I don't know. My preference, of course, is black men. I have never really seriously considered it. When I was in college, I went out one time with an Asian guy and it was so uncomfortable and strange. And it was from black people, I might add. Y'all be acting up when y'all see that. And we walked yeah. in this restaurant mm-hmm. and I could just hear the black people talking like, you know, I was like, really? I'm not the one, number one, grab me cup down. But at the same time, it was just <laughs> awkward. I was like, I don't want to feel like this you know, when I go out with my, like, I don't want to be the center of attention like that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There's not, I'm probably more attracted to black men naturally. I won't say that I've completely excluded it, but I think in a Trump environment, I'll be honest, yeah. I am distrusting of white people, mm-hmm. honestly. And so in motives, because I've seen even interracial relationships where, you know, literally they still treat the black woman like she like some kind of servant. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you, you like, you seriously let them talk to you? Like, 
you know. Right. And so right. that's in the back of my mind too. And so I'll probably never be able to get past that. Um, but now Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> yeah. If he, he yeah, uh-huh. Kevin told you. I am in Belichia, so you know, uh, I am Scotty. He from Southside. Yeah, when you hear him talk, it's gonna be clear. Scotty might be from the south side. What, what's the other football player, kid, though? You uh, Travis Kelsey. 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 Travis and uh and JJ White. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I think for us, I'm not, and I'm certainly not looking to cross over and date any old white guy, just like I don't date any old black guy. And for me, if I'll be honest with you, I see a lot of black dudes doing like really? That's it, like really? You even consider that? So I'm not gonna date white just to date white. white. You know what I'm saying? I I want somebody as attractive as I would want, as you know, accomplished as I would want in a black guy. In a white guy and so i don't want to just you know that's settling to me like oh he paid you some attention you ain't got nobody else go white to this dude you know? well um it, it all happened really fast but um so my sister is eight years older than me and um a little while so i also have an older nephew him and my uh, niece are 20 years apart so he lived with his dad his 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 entire life he lived with his dad and at a certain point um uh, we noticed that my sister started kind of you know behavior changed and we noticed that okay you know what she's using drugs so um the drug use got heavy and at the time we didn't really know like where you know where i came from like you know we grew up in the same house and so you know everybody's like well you know how she go this way you go that way um there were already some problems because my sister started running away i think when i was in the second grade and um i don't think like unfortunately in a black household when you know behavior issues are responded to with either corporal punishment or you go live with another relative mm-hmm. um so i think for a while i think my sister went to live with her dad for a while or maybe for the summers or whatever she came back but um fast forward to when she became an adult you know the running away kind of transferred into hey i ain't gotta go run away now i'm grown whatever i'm dealing with i'm gonna you know deal with these drugs with it so um it just got real real bad and so um she was like you all haven't given opportunity to be responsible you know her son went to live with his you know his, his dad you know pretty much was like look you know my son needs to be raised by men so i'm gonna take him so she really hadn't had to be responsible for the first kid she had and i felt like if she was given that opportunity she would have done it well you know my mama saw otherwise so she took custody over and so for a while her and my daddy was taking care of my niece my mom got sick and we learned she had lung cancer in like october of 2008 um during the time that she was sick though i I was already like getting my niece like she was with me kind of like most of the time anyway when a little while after she was born, I had to make a decision, you know for myself and dealing with the whole back and forth and the police and all these episodes you know I told my mom I told everybody in my family I was like look I gotta make a choice it's either gonna be her or the kids I chose the kids and so I'm like hey I, I, my niece and my nephew I got them no matter what they need I'm here for them my niece I got full custody of her you on your own though because <laughs> I had to make a choice because I can't save everybody so mm-hmm. that's pretty much how everything kind of like became hey boom you're mom now <laughs> and I tell people this religious or not and I mean this because I'm, I'm honest in the sense that 
when you if you don't know what to say, just don't say nothing. Don't yeah. say nothing. When you come from a religious religious family, I did. I tell my mama, I used to tell all the time, the biggest thing that pissed me off was that's okay. God would give you another one, mm-hmm. but I want to grieve this one. How the fuck do you get to tell me what's gonna happen next? Mm-hmm. And I told Kiffy last day, and I told him, I said, if I hear one more look to the heels from come out, I swear to God, I'm gonna slap the shit out of somebody mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the Bible mm-hmm. because I ain't trying to hear it. He took mm-hmm. my child. Mm-hmm. Why would he give me this baby and take him from me? Mm-hmm. But I'm proud that I had my foundation. God knew I was angry. Mm-hmm. It's those over-religious folks who get to tell me how am I supposed to? No, I get the question, God. He ain't going to answer, but I still get the question. He and makes no mistakes. Makes no mistakes. At the moment, you know, you, you know that I eventually, but I, it, right today, now, no, he no. made a mistake. Today, <laughs> yes. he made a mistake. He picked the wrong kid. I am, I am mad at you. What can people or what would you like to have had people because you I was talking, you touched on a question that I had and I, I'm glad you did I didn't even have to mm-hmm. answer it well, like when people make like really insensitive comments I'm not going to call them stupid like I wanted to but I will yeah. say insensitive yeah. comments mm-hmm. like you know God don't put no more on you can bear mm-hmm. yes he does yes he does, yes, he does. <laughs> um, or, or you'll have another baby or just stuff like that because honestly we just don't know what to say say? so we try to say something to encourage you and sometimes you really just should be quiet so what can people do to support a woman in these situations you know who who have experienced this other than because sometimes prayer y'all know i believe me some prayer absolutely but sometimes it it just doesn't like i feel like i need to do more for my Mm -hmm. friend or more for this person what would you like to say about that? For, for me, one of the things when people ask me all the time, um, I always, you know, if you don't know what to say, don't say nothing. Just hand a card. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, as much as I'm, <laughs> it depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. What, that's, it depends on the individual and how they handle it. Okay. But for me, you know, I'm just, for me, I, I was scriptured out. That's real. I was scriptured out. I love the Lord and he loves me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. We had a patient to come in and deliver. She was young African-American female. And this was when I was still working on the floor before I was manager. And I was really thankful for the people that were there at that time. She delivered her baby. I had her postpartum day one. We kind of joked, she was younger, had a good time, talked about the baby, gave her port to night shift, came back the next day, she was still there, I was taking care of her that day, and in talking to her, she just wasn't herself, she wasn't that same person that I saw yesterday, and initially that morning, I thought, well, she had a long night, the baby was probably up, you're not getting the sleep that you normally get, but she was just off, I mean, you can tell when a patient is not what they typically are after seeing them multiple days, even though I just had her the day before. And so I talked to her and she was like, I don't know. I just, I don't feel myself. I just feel, you know, off. Something's not right. I don't feel well. And her doctor, actually, now that I think of it, was a young African-American male doctor. And I called him and I was like, hey, you know, I'm taking care of your patient in this room and I don't know what to say. Her vital signs are not crazy. Anything where I'd be super concerned about but she's not herself. Something is not right about her. I was like, her blood pressure is slightly elevated. I think she was maybe 130s, 140s, 
over maybe 80s, 90s. So not super high where we'd be really afraid. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, she just is not. She's not as bubbly as she was yesterday. She's not as talkative as she was. And even she herself says, I just don't feel right. He was like, oh, that's enough for me. Send her back to labor and delivery. Let's monitor her for a while. And, you know, from my standpoint, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy, you know, that he listened to me and took her over there. Well, when she got there, her blood pressure, and I think this is important to know, the blood pressures, of course, when you're 200s over 100 and 110, those are scary. You're going to freak out because something is, you know, that's way outside of normal range. Not every patient is going to present with blood pressures like that and have a blood pressure issue because her baseline blood pressures were 100s, 110s over 60s to 70s. So for her having those 130s, 140s, 150s over 80s to 90s, that was a change for her. And she was having elevated blood pressure. And they did lab work and they found through the labs and her slightly elevated blood pressure, she was going, she was, did have preeclampsia at that point. Mm. And so they started her on MAG and she was on MAG for 24 hours. I was back the third day and she came back to me that afternoon and seeing her after that magnesium, she was a completely different person. And that was stressful to me because I just kept thinking if I would have just said nothing and thought, oh, she's just sleepy because she was a vaginal delivery. She would have gone home that day. Mm -hmm. And, but thankfully, thankfully I'm blessed. I'm blessed that God made sure I said something to the right person at that time because she had a, could have had a totally different outcome if she would have mm -hmm. gone home and she would have had blood pressure. She could have seized and had other issues. And that's the kind of thing that you just have to always be aware and as a patient, I forgot about this early. If ever a patient, if you feel like those words, I just don't feel right, you know your body better than anybody else knows your body. So when you say that, most healthcare professionals are going to be like, whoa, okay, wait, let's look a little bit deeper. Let's see what's going on. Because those are key words to say, I don't feel like myself. And let them know that. Whether it truly is medical, it might be psychosocial, you just don't know what's going on. But typically, we are gonna look a little bit further because when you are self-aware enough to know that it's not right, then we have to do something about that. I think I should tell it because she's gonna say different. Okay, you tell but, it. All right, so it, it, it all started out in computer science class. Um, of course, I was sitting on the, on the left side, she's sitting on the right side. Hold on, in computer science class. You never really it, noticed each other. because In college? At Texas Southern University. Texas Southern University. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Yes. So, Ashlyn was the quiet type. And uh, I was sitting on the left side with the football players, of course, because we play, I play football. Mm -hmm. And um, he was on the team. <laughs> I don't know about playing, but he was on the team. Let me continue <laughs> the story. <laughs> let me continue the story. <laughs> so, <laughs> embarrassing okay. <laughs> okay so we had a a semi-project uh that we had to do for our class and this is when i met ashlyn so uh apparently there's another guy that wanted her which is one of my cool one of my good friends jaleel and um so jaleel kept back and like that was his girlfriend and, and ashlyn was like i'm not your i'm not your girlfriend not your girlfriend yeah 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 so i was like i was getting ready to walk out and i was like you know what let me try to get her phone number so I told her, I was like, hey, let me get your phone number, you know, just so I can have, you know, your number for the project, you know, so I can touch you, yada, yada, yada. So 
that's how we first met. Okay. And we was cool because Ashley had a good conversation. I had a good conversation. And then uh, one thing led to another. And then we had our first day at Chipotle. Okay. <laughs> My turn. Because <laughs> that wasn't a date. You don't pay for it. No, that's not a date when you have to pay for your own meal. I was a college student. Not a date. But yeah, we met at Texas Southern. It was, what was it? 2011. It was the end of the year. It was like some project that we had for our our final or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was something, it was like towards the end of the year. And we were in the computer class and I was sitting next to Jaleel because I would always talk to Jaleel Mm -hmm. and he would act like I was his girl, but we was just cool nothing serious and then Leonard had asked me for help you asked me for help or something you did ask for your phone number oh I I don't know I thought he was asking me for help or he but you had asked me a question regardless he had asked something about the assignment and so when he asked for my number I thought it was to help him with the assignment (laughs) come on but he had in real life I really did Uh I swear I, mean, I didn't know you was checking me like that, you know? Let's, let's, let's tell them about the cafeteria moments. Oh, okay, what's the cafeteria moment? No, no, no. I want to oh, yeah. You want to know about the cafeteria moments. She lost the whole appetite. When I walked in, oh, my the whole show just stopped. It was like, oh, these girls hugging Leonard. Oh, my gosh. She was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on, tell them about that part. Tell, tell them about that part. You're getting off topic. She said, how did we meet? We met in computer science class. In 2011, Texas Southern. COVID-19 hit. How did that impact you, your career, your ability to perform? Of course, you know, I know it was difficult, but just talk about it a little bit. Were you able to pivot and do some other stuff? Um. Yeah, well, you know, at the church, I got many hats and um, one of them is uh pastor glenn blessed me to run the media and sound ministry so um that kind of took care of some of the stuff financially that and that was like before COVID hit you know um so it was like an extra role um and so that kind of took care of me one thing that COVID taught me is that i really don't have to go back to the club and play (laughs) you know um you know the the money is nice and if i have to like I did a deal last night with this person I used to play with a long time ago. Um, I might start playing with them again. Well, I am going to start playing with them again and going back out. But I told him last night, man, I'm kind of burnt out being in COVID for a year. You know, <laughs> I, I haven't, you know, um, had to take no 88 key keyboards down the stairs lately. All my <laughs> keyboards are upstairs. And um, I haven't had to pack up that, man. I, that's That's for the birds now, you know. And uh, I'm on to like different things now, you know, that make money. So, um, you know, like a Friday night going to Buttons, you know, or, or something like that is like almost like not a waste of time. But because I mean, because I love playing music, it, it would never be a waste of time. But there's something else I could always be doing mm-hmm. that doesn't take the effort of carrying an 88 key keyboard down the stairs into a club <laughs> like what set okay. it up so give me some examples what are some other things that you could do like um putting um arrangements together for you know local movies um you know the pay is great on that um let me see um you know i got my gaming channel now 
Um, I know you'll ask me about that. We'll get into that later. Um, but um, is you know, it's more than a gaming channel. I talk tech on there. Um, and it's fresh. It's brand new. It's only three months old. You know, so it's still in the building stages, and that's fun to me mm-hmm. because you know I was going out teaching workshops about video and sound and stuff like that, and um, so you know to do it myself and have a room at my house set up for it, you know, um, that's cool. So, um, you know, people call me all the time for tech tips and stuff like that. So it's, it's only right that I do it now, you know, so that making money and then, um, what else was I doing? Um, just production, just a lot of production. So, you know, like COVID, shut down a lot of people but it seemed like i got busier doing COVID, you know doing tracks for people and stuff like that it's a young lady in um dallas um she used to gig at buttons too uh melanie dutton um she she did a pop record i don't know when she's gonna release it but we did the whole pop record okay and um that was kind of different because i had to go back and study had to do the college thing and go back oh what are they doing in pop you know and so you know but she finally approved the tracks and stuff like that and so it was real cool um but i just been like super busy teaching y'all at the church you know my um the very very busy and very gifted staff all y'all do something y'all either school teachers i got two that work in corporate well i got two school teachers yeah uh uh is Kenyatta army vet or marine she wants she's a vet mm-hmm. and um um yeah y'all all got nine to fives like super you know like role models y'all role oh. models and stuff you know <laughs> so you know so like you know teaching y'all different programs and stuff so if i'm not around you know or if COVID would have took me out, the church could keep going. Something, you know, y'all, you know, y'all can, you know, you handle the magazine and Ahmad and them do the live stream. Drew, you know, and Tony and Felicia and them run run the live stream. So, you know, teaching like those, learning those programs, and just teaching y'all that stuff that kept me busy. That was that was that was crazy, and um, that's why I, I call you supervisor. <laughs> jack all trades i'm trying to master them all but it's not working out so far so i mean it's it's getting good though um but 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 yeah that that's how i made you know money and stuff like that and that's that's why the club is not as important to me anymore you know so who do you think will stay together who do you think will get a divorce vince and brianna will stay together nobody else will damn Ashley said nobody (laughs) I don't know any of the other people really well like I know there's that one girl who has like her boyfriend or her husband is a jerk Mm -hmm. and but she also has walls up uh, Um, Haley Haley and Jacob yes yeah and so like she keeps buying him gifts and stuff but it's like to control him not appropriate Haley not appropriate (laughs) and I think they were getting along until they slept together so I'm thinking one of them don't know what they're doing something (laughs) so I was like oh well (laughs) but I really do I don't think they're gonna make it I don't think um I don't think Virginia and Eric can make it but maybe they can I mean who knows um I pray that the real Holy Spirit speaks to 
to Chris or Paige and they don't make it. Um, you said the real Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm with you on it. The one who like, loves us and protects us and who helps us. The Bible. To the Bible. Like he showed up for it. First off, he was like, let's have Bible study. And then he was like, well, you lead it. And then he showed up unprepared. Like exactly. how dare That's the biggest you. clue. Well, anybody, like any of my, my friends, you know, I tend to lean toward the safe instead of taking risks. So. Are we teaching them to be robots? Right. And not yeah. question and not try and not just. Although Gen Z tends to be pretty brave when it comes to trying different things. You know, they, they get do. on the, the millionaires on TikTok and Instagram. Where they are. I think our generation is kind of somewhere stuck in the middle where we're like, okay, we're, we're on, I don't really want to be on social media to market, but that's what's popular right now. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I think Gen Xers are stuck between the baby boomers, our parents and um, Gen Y, well, which is now millennials, my sister, mm -hmm falls into that category they changed it from gen y to millennials right um yeah they kind of group yeah. them together right and so you know but she's a physical therapist she went to school too uh i think because we had baby boomer parents they just kind of instilled that in us you have to go to college you have to do this you have to do that or you won't be successful um and i think a lot of gen xers like us had that beat into our heads yeah you have to do this you have to do that and then honestly you know when we look at gen xers for instance who didn't go to college we're like oh <laughs> like, i think what? it depends on who you look at i think it depends because some people have not gone to college and they're quite successful and it's like that wow. is true and, that and is they true. are living debt free oh god I'm almost death free. Praise God. I, listen, I am not. I'm not even. I know. <laughs> I'm not even close. And I'm just like, sometimes I ask myself, where did I go wrong? It almost, <laughs> even in my dating life, you know, to get it off work, you know, because you want to make it universal for everybody. I tend to mm -hmm. follow the rules. You know, keep your legs closed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't mm -hmm. be out here a wild and, you know, be a right. girl, go to church, go to college, be smart. Um, but that don't matter. <laughs> no, we're both single. And one it's like. My, one of my guy friends told me, tell me, if your body fine, we don't care what you look like. You, you ain't got to have a good job. You can work at McDonald's. <laughs> if you're fine, <laughs> that's all that matters. And I'm like. Clearly, because here I am still single. Yes, I am. But so <laughs> I guess I need to get fine. <laughs> but then there was a season there where I was like working out. I was fit. And I had less action then <laughs> than I do when I'm heavy. So it's like, okay, I typically tend to question the Lord again about fairness. Like, Okay, how is this fair? I could have just wilded out, lived my life, been it. I ain't gonna say wilded out because I don't want to judge anybody's 
experience, but right. been more adventurous and yeah. probably been married. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, you know, we I think our social lives kind of pattern one another's in that we didn't do what many girls did do mm-hmm. in college after college and we did what we thought we were supposed to do and here we are close to 50 <laughs> and we sitting in empty houses like what i don't understand when um adrian and i's apartment burned and we had nothing but the clothes on our backs and we came, we were summoned to the sorority house for some reason or another. I don't even know how y'all got us there. But we <laughs> we get to the sorority house and uh, you guys had had uh, gift cards or what, gift certificates, I guess that's what they had back then. And uh, people giving me, I still have it because I lost all of my elephants I was given when I when I crossed over. So people gave me theirs. Um, I mean, it was just, I, I, we literally cried, the both of us. And you know, I don't really cry. So <laughs> <laughs> so it was just touching for, for you guys to be there for us and make sure we had, you know, the things that we needed. Somebody gave me a uh, vacuum cleaner, a brand new vacuum cleaner, which I still have and use today. <laughs> That's good. Uh, <laughs> Must be a Kirby. Right. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it still, it still works. works. <laughs> uh, and it, just the sisterhood that to make sure that we got, we were taken care of and for people to give me their elephants that they have, I, it's in my room somewhere. Like it had spring 94 on it. Mm-hmm. It was still was a real emotional and that's just, just my, the most standout uh, memory. And like Kim said, the traveling to conventions and the, the late night talks and the things we find out about one another. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just, just a great bond and great time. I, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I was going to ask too, um, and I think you answered this. I know you did. Uh, should poor people have wheels? Yep. Even if you got, they, you got $5, they'll fight over it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my $250. Yep. <laughs> I'm saying. Yep. I think you should, because sometimes it may be something in the matter of children. You got minor children. You might want to say, I want them to go here or there. Right. There's there's various reasons, like just wishes, just certain things. And you you don't have to have a lot. Like I said, we don't cost a whole bunch of money. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's not like it costs a whole bunch of money to do it. Mm -hmm. But you know that your wishes are going to get carried out. Right. Right. Uh, That you hope that they, they know how to contest it. But they hope that they get carried out. So I, I, I recommend it for it doesn't matter where you are in life uh, that you you have one. You know what? When I need help, he's he just he don't come in and try to pamper me or baby me. He come in and you're like, come on, get on up. You know, you can do it. Get on up. And I'd be like, you supposed to be helping me. He'd be like, I am helping you. Come on, get on up. And mm-hmm. don't be laying here. Come on, get up. He don't he don't pacify me. Mm-hmm. He, and I like that. I don't want him to pacify me because mm-hmm. I don't want him to think I'm a sickly walking around there. Because when you act like you're sick and you be you be sick, yeah. So no, mm-hmm. it treat me mind. just like you treat me when you bit me. 
So what do you do to keep your mind like strong? Like I said, I, when I get when I get down and I feel like it's taking its toll on me, I go sit and talk to my granny. Oh yeah. I read my okay. Bible and I go talk to my granny. Okay. You know, I got a friend that comes in and she be like, Oh girl, I just that's why you my sister. She said, because I don't any given day I come here, you always got that Bible right there. You always read out that Bible. I say, I try. Amen. <laughs> For real. That's my sister's friend. She in the background for support. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you don't let nobody treat you like you, uh, you on your last leg. Well, that's true. I, I don't think we were built that way anyway. I think that's why you do. But you got some friends. people that do. I, but I mean, as far as our family, we were never raised to, to mope and be, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you just got to keep moving and move on. That's why I think you talked to Granny because Granny never, she was always constantly. She didn't never pacify. She always told you that's your little wag ragging whether you want to push it or pull it. Yep, she sure did. Not to beat up on the cops, which is quite easy given this day and time, but the drug dealers. I think I started paying more attention to them like around episode three or four, mainly in episode three because that's when we meet Omar. The stick up boy. Yes. Love that. <laughs> I'll never I think of I'll saying. never hear that song again without thinking of Omar. One never. that you're bold enough to rob. You know, I'm sure they're out there that you're bold enough to rob dope dealers. Because you know they're gonna come back after you. Uh but yeah. That you're that like you go just gonna walk, and people were afraid. Oh, it's Omar, and they just break out running. <laughs> so he ends up robbing Poot, Poot, and Bodie and Wallace because D'Angelo had gone, I guess, somewhere to get a sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> he had gone to get something to eat. So he robs and takes the stash, and so that's when you start to see more of Stringer and Avon because they're like pissed off and like, hey, you know. We got to rain down on him. But especially because they know uh, Avon finds out he's gay. It's like, okay, double the bounty. And I'm right. like, does it matter? Talk, talk <laughs> about guess, serious persecution. Right. I'm like, why does the bounty double? Because the man is a homosexual. Because he robs him with him and his boyfriend like one other person. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you were robbed. But you're a, you're a criminal. So you're selling drugs, at least at this point, by, you know, by the standards of the law, you are engaging in criminal activity. You expect to get, you know, knocked up. But I guess as far as reputation goes, you cannot allow people to take advantage of you, to get you. You can't get got, as they say in my neighborhood. Yeah, that's street code. That's street code. Right. Because you're gonna keep, they're going to keep taking you down and eventually you're going to lose power. And so I like Omar. I didn't necessarily like him. What? I did not like Omar, but I'm going to tell you. He's the Robin Hood of the hood. I'm not going to give him Robin Hood because he didn't share the money. Robin Hood stole (sighs) from the rich to give give to the the poor. Well, I want to say he did give share. He might not have shared a lot, but uh, (laughs) gosh, because there's a scene where a lady comes up to him while he's sitting on the stoop. And tells him that, you know, she's she's got some financial predicament. Mm-hmm. 
and he he tells his mate, okay. hey, break break her off some. Did you ever work in journalism at all? Like right out and you never did? Do you no? Do you regret it? Hmm, that's a good question. I never thought about it. No, I don't think so. I don't think I regret it. I think the and, and I'm gonna tell you why I don't think I regret it. I don't looking back on it, I don't know if it's something that I would have wanted to do full time as a career. I like the opportunity to do it when I want to do it and not have to worry about is this going to be my where my next paycheck is coming from? You like because, a check. <laughs> yes, I like a check, a steady check. <laughs> yes. Um, but I still like to write. Like, so something like whenever they people ask you, you know, what's something that nobody knows about you or like a little known fact, I always tell people that I've kept a diary since I was um, nine years old. Like, I, I don't write in it as much as I used to. Mm. But there was a time when I would write in it every day. So I have like books and books from fifth grade all the way through like college and now as an adult. And it's very interesting to go back and read your life and how it's changed and <laughs> things that were important to my fifth grade self, you know, that now to my mm -hmm. mm, something self. <laughs> <laughs> It just the just the differences, you know, when I'm in fifth grade, it was like, oh, my brother's getting on my nerves. You know, why is he knocking on my door? It's the little things like that to, you know, now we have these adult issues. But I found it to be very therapeutic just to be able to write and even to go back and read where I was, that's a growth, you know, to show the situations and things that I was going through at the time um, to how I overcame and how I'm doing now. I, I, I was just not in a great place to, mm -hmm. to, to focus on that again, the emotional part. We mm -hmm. talked about adoption. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about surrogacy and just, you know, none of those options were appealing to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Lord just never laid it on my heart to pursue anything further with uh, adoption or surrogacy a because with adoption you know you, you don't know what you're getting in the kid you don't know what background that kids have or what kind of problems um so I was afraid of that mm -hmm. and then with surrogacy I, I just wasn't of the mindset that I wanted someone else to carry my child you wanted to I absolutely could, yeah. I wanted to yes because I know what I was going to eat and the things I was going to do so I was more more, more prepared or, or, or more in line with carrying my own child, mm -hmm. uh, whatever that took. So we talked about all of it, but never went down that road. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, God never took the desire away from me to be a mother. Right. And those are costly too. You know, adoption can be just as costly. And so definitely surrogacy, you know, because it's almost like they're working for you. So I think you just, like you said, God never took it away from you. So it sounds like you prayed about it and that's the plan you followed. So, you know, it worked out and I'm so, we're so glad. She's so cute. Thank you, Tracy. We prayed about it. I prayed about it. And I always said that I know what God can do, mm -hmm. but not only that, I know what God is going to do for me. Okay.
Do you and think you would have been okay had his answer had been no? How do you think that would, how do you think you would have dealt with that? Oh, wow. I don't even want to think about that, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I, Thank you, Forges. Oh, my God. I don't even want to think how I, how I would have been able to deal with him saying no. Mm -hmm. And that's not the path because, you know, many couples have heard no. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, I don't want to even let my mind go there <laughs> to think what I would have done had he not given me this child at 49 years old. You can't go straight to fear. I'm not saying don't fear because it is an absolutely valid point that we have been here before. Trusting y'all. That's valid. <laughs> I don't ever do that. It's valid. It's valid point. And if that's what you're standing on, fine. But you can't live like you're not I'm, stay in your fear is all I'm gonna say You're you right. can't be fear on one point but then go see the eyes brothers there you go afraid of the <laughs> vaccine know? but you live in life carefree and then you mad when somebody you know or you have COVID-19 right you know, exactly like, you can't have it both ways it can only go one way and right. so you choose your path you gotta stay on, on that path mm -hmm. so when he opened up Texas mm -hmm. I, I no longer had the luxury of saying I could fight for a year because now I'm coming to a gun battle with a slingshot. I can't right. Lysol my way around everybody. Right. And I have to go get food. I have to help take care of my mom if she needs me. My kids still do things. You know what I'm saying? So I, and my, by then, my husband's back had to go back to work. So I couldn't fight it. So I had to choose for me, which was I have to make sure that I arm myself um, with everything that's available to protect me and my family. And to me, the vaccine was a layer of that that I could not leave out. Well, that's it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, come back on August 2nd for season three. In the meantime, remember to subscribe, share, and, and give me a five-star rating. Don't forget to follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook at Everybody's Homegirl. You can find me on Instagram at Everybody's Homegirl 11. And you can find me on my website at www.everybodyshomegirl.com and you can send me an email ask me a few questions send me an email to homegirlpod at gmail.com thanks and have a great day